Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Janet and Gray. Enjoy. Well, that's pretty good. I hope you clap at the end. (laughs) Well, good morning, family. It's so good to be with you here on site. And I want to say good morning to my buddies online because I'm usually one of the hosts in the chat. I won't be chatting with you today, but so glad you're there. So glad you can connect with us. Thanks, Brent, for um, introducing and reading our first uh, bit of scripture. We're in our second uh, week of our one anothering series, and we're, this one is called Living in Harmony with, an, with One Another, and we're in Romans chapter 12, which is one of my favorite books. I don't know about you, but I like instructions. Uh, I like to read instructions. I like to, you know, know what I'm supposed to do, and this is a very practical uh, chapter. Paul tells us basically what we need, which is transformation. We saw that, um, and how to get it by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifices, you know, the problem with that is that they crawl off the altar sometimes. Um, but we offer ourselves as a sacrifice to, um, to God as a part of our worship, that we're, con- we're no longer conformed to the standards of the world, but we're transformed um, by the renewing of our mind. He tells us that's how it happens. And then he shows us what that looks like. What does it look like to live that out? Uh, by the way, did any of you look in the mirror this morning? 
I, I know you did because you look beautiful. I know you didn't look like that when you got out of bed. I certainly didn't look like this when I, oh, I, you know, online you might still be in your jammies, so I don't know. You, uh, but uh, for me, the, in our bathroom, the whole back wall of the, you know, behind our bathroom sinks is mirror, so I can't avoid seeing what I look like when I get up in the, in the middle, you know, in the morning. And, uh, and then actually I look at a lot of mirrors. I found out, wow. Uh, I use that mirror. I have a mirror to look at the back of me to make, you know, make sure my tags aren't up and my hair isn't wonky and that kind of thing. I have a full-length mirror so I can, like, see the whole thing, right? Uh, and then I, uh, because I am the age I am, I now have a magnifying mirror so that I can actually put my eye makeup on. I have one good eye, but when I close the good eye, then, you know, it's going to look like a clown. So I have to use that mirror too. So I used all those mirrors before I even got out of the house and got into my car. And guess what? Then there's more mirrors, right? Uh, now I've got mirrors that aren't showing me what I look like, but mirrors that are showing me what I can't see, right? So I've got a rear view mirror because I don't have eyes in the back of my head and I need to see what's following me and what's behind me. And then we've got the side mirrors that show us what? Our blind spots. Yes. We don't want, you know, there are people in our blind spots that we could run over, so we don't want to do that. And um, then, unfortunately, when I got into the parking lot, I did pull down the visor, and there's one more mirror, and it's called the <laughs> vanity mirror, right? And I looked in that, too. So I just want to make sure there's nothing in my teeth and, you know, all of that. Well, um, but there's one more mirror that I look at all the time that I use regularly. Anybody know what mirror that is? It's the Bible. It's the Word. It's the Word of God. That's right. Because my mirror shows me what I look like, but my Bible shows me what Jesus looks like. Right? And I need to hold that up and see if I'm reflecting Jesus, if my life reflects what I want it to. If I want to be an expression of Jesus and have his character, I need to kind of hold that up. I need to read the word so I know what his image looks like. What does his character look like? What's my life supposed to look like? You know, when we come to faith, when we first accept Jesus as our Savior and we commit to following him and making him Lord and Master of our lives, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, comes and he joins with our spirit, Right? And we get this massive upgrade, like this whole new operating system, way better than Apple or, you know, Microsoft, anything like that. We get this new operating system. It's called being born again in the Bible because obviously we've been born physically, but now we're reborn spiritually. We have a new nature. We have a new operating system. Unfortunately, there's still some bugs in the old software, right? And we have old patterns and practices and habits and things like that that still need to be removed and replaced and changed. And so um, that is the, you know, transformation process as we no longer make the standards of the world how we define success and beauty and contentment and that kind of thing. And we take God's word and we're transformed by the renewing of our thoughts because our thoughts drive our emotions, and our emotions drive actions, and repeated actions become habits, and that some of those habits becomes our character, right? Um, I have a book here called The Other Half of Church. This is a great book. I love this book by Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks, and um, 
In it, he, uh, Jim Wilder talks about the goal of this process is then transformation, is maturity. Um, our goal of our discipleship process and our walking out with God is maturity. So what does that look like? What's the definition of maturity? He says it's not church attendance and good works and Bible studies and all of that, which are obviously very, very good. They're good tools for us. They, they help build our faith. They show us. They help us grow. But he defines maturity as the ability to know moment by moment how to love God. How to connect with that love, how to love him, because then I can love others the way he intends for me to do it. And I can then handle the responsibility that, that he's given me, whether it's in relationships or finances or whatever. I can handle that, again, according to his pleasing and perfect will. So also in that scripture where it says, be, conform, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. It's actually in the tense. It's be being transformed. It's an ongoing process. We don't, it's not instant. It's an ongoing, lifelong process. It's initiated, it's directed, and it's completed by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? It's not our strength. It's not how smart and capable and skilled we are. It's God's work in us. It's grace, and it's empowered by love. So I think love is an emotion, but I think love is also a verb. It should, should have some action connected to it. Well, in English, we have one word, love, right? And so I, that word is the same whether I'm talking about I love my husband, I love my kids, I love my grandkids who are here, I love my, you know, I love chocolate, I love new shoes. You know, it's the same word in English. Well, in the Greek, they have different words for all of that. And the word that we're going to center in for love is God's love, and it's agape. Agape, God's love is not like human love. It's different than human love in that it's unconditional. It loves, God loves no matter what. It is not dependent on our performance. Isn't that good news? <laughs> we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's just a free gift, and it's always there. Unconditionally, God loves no matter what. It's initiating. God is the first to love. The word says we love because he first loved us right? It loves first. It's other-centered. It's sacrificial. It puts the needs of others above our own. That's sacrificing love. And um, then it's freeing. This kind of love is not manipulative. It doesn't have strings attached. It's not withheld when we disappoint or miss the mark or blow it. That, that isn't part of God's love. God does not withhold his love and so it frees us up then to actually be able to look at ourselves and accept ourselves, be honest about who we are and what's going, going on in our lives and the struggles that we're having. We get to be free to be accepted because God loves us just the way we are. And then he empowers us by that love. He frees us up to be um, who he's created us to be. So um, that's the kind of... Um, that's the kind of love that's going to empower our change. In the early part of this chapter, Paul also, he says, by the way, you're all unique. You're uniquely, individually gifted by grace. Everyone is valuable. Everybody is unique. Everybody has their place in the body of Christ, right? One body, all these different members that have their own unique gifting. And um, 
There's no comparing or competing. We don't have to do that because we find our identity in the beautiful character of Jesus Christ. That's who we are created to be. And then he gives us this practical list of, of examples of how this transition and this transformation and this life would be lived out. So let's take a look at these. These are um, from verses 9 to 21 in Romans chapter 12. It's just a very practical list of how the, our life could be. So first, don't just, and this is out of the New Living Translation, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. The message says, love from the center of who you are. I love that. This translation says, hate what is wrong. The other ones actually use the word evil. Hate evil and hold tightly to what is good. And hating evil, in this case, is it is demonically authored, intentional, malicious wrongdoing. We need to hate that, right? I think we're unified on that one. Um, the next one says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It doesn't just say, honor others above yourself. It says, delight in honoring others above yourself. That's a little bit bigger twist. The next one says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I want you all to go like this, enthusiastically. Enthusiastically, right? I'm going to tell you something this pandemic has taken away from us. Has, it's, we've lost a lot of enthusiasm, right? We lost so many ways to serve and volunteer, things that brought us joy. And um, we were, you know, stuck in our living rooms. We couldn't gather with family. We couldn't be at church. We couldn't serve in places that brought us deep joy. So um, we're made... Uh, to have, as, as was said already this morning, we're made to have the love of God flow into us and through us. You know, there's uh, the Dead Sea in Israel. It's dead because it has an inlet and it has no outlet. We're made to have God's love and hope and encouragement and strength and power flow into us and through us so that there's room for new, fresh power and encouragement and hope, right? We need to have that inland, and volunteering and serving God is part of that. Um, you know, it's not just churches that are suffering from the lack of volunteerism, because, by the way, churches, our church, runs on the generosity and the volunteer, of the volunteers. <clears throat> but I looked at the, I was listening to the Red Cross the other day. They're crying out for blood donations, right? Well, it's not because the supply chain of blood has dried up. I mean, there's still plenty of blood in everybody's bodies. But those who were in the habit of serving that way and donating and giving have gotten out of the habit. So the pandemic has robbed us of some of those things. Online, I know, you know, some of you are not able to come on site. You're not able to serve uh, in person the way you could. But I know that if you ask God for wisdom, you are create, he's creative and he can give you ways to be able to use the way that you're gifted. I think that we can serve, even from our living rooms, we can serve God enthusiastically, right? Okay, the next one says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Our confident hope, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the Lord. That's where our confidence comes from, right? Um, this says, be patient under pressure. Have compassion for people. Have grace for others and have grace for yourself. We've just come through a long season. We're still in it. 18 months of every night 
every day hearing about COVID and the damage and the, and the destruction that it's, this little tiny virus has done to our world, right? Every night. And I don't know what news you listen to, but I, whether it's cable, I, network, it doesn't matter on the, on the internet. If you pay attention, nine out of 10 stories are negative. And, and you know, it's, it's climate change and forest fires and floods and, and corruption and political governments going down and political divisiveness and COVID, COVID, COVID. I mean, you know, and then at the end, they might have like one little feel good story, right? No wonder people are suffering with anxiety and depression and hopelessness. That's not God. That's not the Lord. Our confidence is in him. Our confidence and our hope is in him. So um, when we can be patient under pressure and we can have compassion and grace for ourselves and others, you know, it gives, we give God time to work in those circumstances and it develops resilience so that, um, that we can actually continue to persevere. That's a valuable character trait, resilience. And one of the ways we do it is by being steadfast in prayer. We talk to God about it all. We, we can be honest about the things that are bothering us and struggling with fear and all of that. We can be honest, but we invite him into that. And we practice gratitude. If we practice gratitude, it changes our focus. There's always something, even if there's only one thing that you can find to be grateful for, grab onto that. It's an important, um, it's an important character trait. The next one says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. You know, I don't know about you, but I might be the only one, but I have found that loving people can be inconvenient, right? It can be exhausting. It can be expensive. Like, I have my plan for the day. I know what I'm doing. And then I get a call or an email, and it's like, ah, my plan goes out the window, right? Loving people can be costly. But generosity is a family value. Generosity is, is one of the character traits of God. He loves without measure. He loves us lavishly and freely. His, his love is scandalously generous, right? And so I want to thank you for being generous people. That's who we are. Generous with your time, generous with your finances, generous with your love. That's who we are. The next one says, always be eager to practice hospitality. Again, the pandemic's made this hard, right? We couldn't even have our own family together with us. We were all in our own little living rooms. It's been difficult to get to the place where we could welcome people on site again, welcome people into our homes, gather together. Um, I'm, I'm, um, it's, it's just been difficult, but I, I am very grateful, again, for the fact that we have an online presence and we have an on-site presence because we can welcome those of you who still cannot come on site either because of geographic uh, location issues or health issues or whatever that is. I'm grateful that we can still connect. I'm glad that we can connect both on site. We need to welcome, whether it's online or on site, we need to welcome the visitor. We need to welcome the stranger. We need to welcome the outsider. The next one says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. This means we're actually supposed to speak well of our enemies. That blessing, speak well. The message says, no grumbling and cursing them under your breath. That doesn't, that's not okay. <laughs> and so we're not to gossip about them, like spread stuff. We're not, we're actually to pray for them. Pray for your enemies, right? Number one, that frees you up. That helps you find freedom from resentment and bitterness and recycling all the hurt and that kind of thing. 
but it actually might help them change as well. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. This is about empathy, not sympathy, but empathize. We need to, to join in with the emotions and things that are going on in other people's lives. We need to celebrate and laugh together. My goodness. We need to celebrate the promotions and the new babies and the, the um, answered prayers that others are having. And then we need to be present with those who have experienced and are experiencing loss and grief and pain and loneliness. You know, uh, Pastor Rick Warren is one of, um, from Saddleback Church, he has, uh, he's well acquainted with grief. He lost, they lost their son to suicide, and he talks uh, a bit uh, about what ministered to them in their grief, and he says, the deeper the pain, the fewer words are necessary. Don't, don't try to come cheer me up. Just be present with me. He says, show up and shut up. <laughs> Those are his words, right? Just be present. We're here for you. We hear that you hurt. We hear and we recognize it, and we're here for you. So we need to empathize with those. Be happy and weep with others who are weeping. Live in harmony with each other, our, our title. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. So my translation of this is just basically, don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, don't be a jerk. Don't be stuck up and think you have all the solutions and all the answers for people. You know, that was, actually, that's called pride, and that was the um, problem with the Pharisees, right? They thought that they were better than. Um, there's a scripture that says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I do not want God opposing me. That's, that is not a good, I'm not going to win in that situation, <laughs> Right? So let's not be so quick to judge others. We, we do need to judge actions, but let's not judge another person's heart, right? I, because we don't want people judging our hearts. God is the one who can judge hearts. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So the next four verses are all about how to handle conflict. So the fact that Paul gives four verses to this, I think it's pretty important. My uh, grandmother used to say, two wrongs don't make a right. I, I know you must have heard that, right? Don't pay back evil with evil. Handle con conflict in a way that honors God. Remember, don't be conformed to the world's standards. You know, the world right now has this thing called cancel culture, right? People just get written off, right? And it might be for a mistake they made in 1945 right? that gets, you know, revealed. Let's not be like that. Let's not write people off, even when they hurt us deeply. Don't write them off. Don't put up walls, right? Boundaries. We teach boundaries in Silver Recovery. I love Silver Recovery. I love CR. Boundaries, not walls, right? Yes! Yay, CR. Um, make every effort... To, on your part, to live at peace with others. You know, we can't control other people's uh, responses. We can't control their actions, but we are responsible for our own. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I'll pay them back, says the Lord. 
So we need to surrender our need for revenge and our need to pay them back or to see that justice done. We have to kind of lose that, well, they deserve it kind of thing, right? That mentality isn't helpful. We need to hand them over to God. He is the one who actually is the righteous judge, and he will handle it perfectly. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now, wait a minute. Didn't he just say, don't take revenge? <laughs> burning coals, heaping shame and misery on somebody's head. That kind of sounds like revenge to me. Uh, he's referring to Proverbs 25, 21, 22, where Solomon, actually, when Solomon wrote this proverb, he may, in fact, have had the intention of adding shame and misery to his enemies. Uh, it also might have a reference to an old Egyptian um, pra practice of having a pot of, of burning coals on their head to show repentance. But in this context, we have to look at what Paul is saying here in this context of, of being loving and kind. He's actually saying that that unexpected kindness, the unexpected kindness that we show others to our enemy might just um, awaken their conscience. That generosity that they, that way that we treat them when we don't give them back what they're expecting, but we give them kindness. That might just prick their conscience and let them think, hmm, maybe I could do this a little bit differently. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You know, he started this group of scriptures with hate evil, hold on to good, and then he puts the other bookend on and he says, don't let evil conquer you. He says, don't be overcome or worn down in the battle against the evil forces that are drawing you away from light and love. Because it is a battle. He says, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness, right? We need to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. We have an enemy. It's not each other. Right? So we need to fight those battles with prayer, with humility, with submission to God's will, with love. So let's quickly just run through the list again, looking at the emotions that motivate the actions. Hate evil, hold on tightly to good, delight in honoring others above yourself, serve God enthusiastically. Oh my gosh, that didn't sound enthusiastic. Come on, serve God enthusiastically. Oh, thank you so much. Rejoice in hope, be patient under pressure and faithful in prayer, help God's people in need, be eager to practice hospitality, empathize with others, live in harmony, handle conflict with honor. In John 15, 9, Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers, that's us, and he says, I've loved you even as the Father's loved me. Like God the Father's love, the way God the Father loves Jesus, he's loved them right? And he says, stay connected to that source. He's talking about connected to the vine and all that. Stay connected to the source of that love. And he says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, Jesus's joy, and your joy will overflow. That's who we are, right? With this type of group identity as the church, we are connected to God as a family who loves to get together, who practices gratitude, keeps that positive focus, who stays connected relationally even when it's difficult. Even when we disagree, we stay connected relationally. I'm really 
grateful, again, that we can reach out to those who are online so that they can stay connected relationally, so that you know that you're valued and you're known and you're not alone and you can stay relationally. We can connect with you. We can pray for you. It's important that we stay connected that way, even in the difficult times of disagreement. That way, we can endure hardship and suffering the way Jesus did. We can get through it. It produces resilience, which is a wonderful character trait. We're a group that, we're a family that lovingly corrects. We, call each, we don't call each other out. We call each other up. We say to one another, hey, when we see behavior that's not right, we say, you know, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. It's not who you're created to be. We call each other up to the higher calling, to who we're created to be. We have our unity and diversity shines when we make the main thing the main thing. Have you ever noticed how the loudest voices are on the least important things that divide us, that cause division? When we believe and we focus on the main plane, Jesus Christ, him crucified, He's resurrected. His resurrection life has given us power. He's coming back. This is the, we're, he's, he, we are his messengers to bring the kingdom of God on earth. That's what we all can agree on. We focus on the main and the plain, and we stay, we have unity in diversity. Those outside the church, if we look like that, if we look like that, then those outside the church are curious, and they're inspired, and they might want to investigate that. They're welcomed. We don't want to appear like an exclusive club that people um, have to fit into a little mold and be exactly like us. You know, it gets messy. You know, it gets messy. But human beings are messy. But Jesus never ran away from the mess. He kind of hung out with those messy ones. And we can trust him to sort those things out if we just stay focusing on what connects us and what we agree on, um, because he's the one who can bring unity. So uh, we have this thing, our, our title is Live in Harmony, so I asked the, the worship team here, and I'm, I, I think I'm going to be right in front of you, That's, I'll step down. Uh, I asked uh, Brent and Kate and Cassie if they would help me with a little demonstration here of what harmony live, looks like. So I'm going to step out of the way, and they are going to demonstrate harmony for us. First, Kate uh, and Cassie. Oh, Cassie, both of you are going to sing together. Kate and Cassie are going to sing in unison, right? They're going to be singing the same melody, the same notes, all together in unison. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But now I'm found Was blind But now I see So unison is everyone singing the exact same tune. Now they're going to sing in harmony. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear 
and grace my fears relieve. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believe. So now we have two female voices that are going to get joined by Brent and his male voice, and even a deeper, more diversity of tune and more harmony. Through many dangers, toils, and sins, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me So now, Rob, with the musical back, he's going to be able to add chords and other melodies. They're all going to still be singing a different melody, but it's going to be beautiful harmony. It's going you didn't know I was actually a bass, did you? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but you proved it. Gifted. When we've been there was beautiful, right? So unity is not unison. We don't all have to sing the same melody and the same notes to be in unity and to be harmony. in harmony. Unity doesn't require uniformity. You know that every generation has had its own music, right? Think about when you were a teenager and your parents hated what you listened to, whatever generation that was, right? <laughs> Every generation has had its own music, and we have new generations coming up, and they will have their own music, and we need to support and embrace and encourage that, right? Harmony requires that individuals, did you notice how carefully they were listening to one another? They have to listen to the other parts really well and make sure that they're not singing over the other part. They're not drowning out the other voice, that they're blending beautifully. We need to really listen to others who have differing opinions from us. We need to ask questions to understand first. You know, we all have a lens through which we see the world. We have a worldview. We have a lens through which we see people, through which we see God. We all have that lens that's been formed by our childhood experience, by our culture that we were raised in, by our um, education, by life you know, the things that have happened to us in life, we have that lens 
and my lens isn't exactly like yours. And it's, we need to understand, instead of just saying, you're blind, <laughs> your lens is really, you know, the wrong one, I need to ask questions and say, well, tell me more about why you feel that way, why you think that. At least ask those questions before coming to a place where say, I can, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I disagree with you. We're going to have to take a stand. We're supposed to take a stand. We need to take a stand, but we have to do it in a way that's respectful and honoring of other people. That way we might be able to have a dialogue that moves us all forward, right? Harmony inherently requires diversity of sound. And um, we need to empower those next generations to bring up their own songs, like I said. Only, I'm going to say this, there's only one race in the kingdom of God. It's the human race. With all of its beauty and all of its expression and all of its difference in culture and language and music, do you realize, you know, when they're worshiping in Swahili, I don't understand what that says, but God loves it, Right? All of that humanity, humanity um, has, it's all, God loves diversity. And you look in Revelation 7, chapter 7, and you see the throne room. It says there are multitudes, not a multitude, there are multitudes that come from every tribe and every nation and all languages and all peoples, all together around the crown, throne of God, all singing in beautiful, beautiful harmony and unity. That's unity and diversity. So here's how we can live in harmony. We know that Jesus gave us the command to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, right? We know that. But then in John 13, 34 and 35, he's talking again to his disciples, to his followers, you and me, and he's saying, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. Remember how he said, in the same way that the Father has loved me, I've loved you? And now he says, in the same way that I love you, you love each other. You love others. And then he goes on and he says, this is how everyone, the world, outside of the church, will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Church, that's exciting. If we want to have a, an impact, if we, we know that our world is struggling with, ho with hopelessness and anxiety and depression, if we want to have any kind of impact for that, Jesus says right here, the way you're going to do that, you want to have impact on those outside the church? Love those inside the church first and love them well. Love each other well. This is possible because we have grace we have his Holy Spirit and we have grace. You know, the definition of grace, one definition that I love is the empowering presence of God, empowering you to be who he created you to be and to do what he created you to do. Grace is power, and we have that grace to do this. That way, we can be willing partners with him in bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Uh, I was recently at a conference, a Celebrate Recovery conference in Dallas, and there were, I don't know, 3,500 people in that conference, um, all singing together, all celebrating their lives that have been rescued by the power of Jesus Christ. And uh, that is powerful to be in a worship community like that. But I want you to know that they were 
uh, there were Presbyterians and Methodists and Charismatics and Pentecostals and Evangelicals and Nazarenes and, you know, nobody, and community churches and then all the non-denominationals that, that have names that, you know, like Oasis and, and Vineyard and, you know, that you don't know what denomination. They're all non-denominational. They were all in one place together. None of that mattered. It didn't matter what denomination or what church they went to. We were all in unity, praising God together and, and celebrating that our lives had been rescued and changed by him. I'm going to tell you that was great. Um, one of the performers is, uh, was Hosanna Wong. She used to be uh, uh, Hosanna Poetry, and she actually has performed on this stage uh, about five or six years ago before she became super uh, in demand and famous. And uh, some of you who were here remember on an Easter morning, she, she, um, she came to celebrate recovery and then she did our Sunday morning service. Anyway, Hosanna is Asian American, Asian descent, and she was raised in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. If you know anything about that, it is the worst. It is violent. It is drug infested. Her dad was a drug dealer. He was a gang member. He was a violent man. He was an abuser. And then he met Jesus, and his whole life changed. And he then became like a street preacher, and he preached Jesus to anybody who would listen. And she grew up watching addicts lose their drugs, lay down their drugs, and gang members lay down their weapons, and um, lives get changed radically and powerfully by the love of Jesus Christ. And that was what she thought was church, until she went to church. <laughs> Ouch, right? She didn't find, when she went to church, she didn't find that same acceptance and that same joy and that same power and that same um, life. And so uh, she loved Jesus with all of her heart. And she, for a while, she decided, you know what? It's going to be me and Jesus. I'm going to do Jesus, but I'm not going to be part of the church. Until Jesus reminded her that he said, you know, mm, you can't have the bridegroom and not the bride. You can't love the bridegroom without the, and not love the bride. You can't love me and not love my body, the body of Christ, who I've designed to be my body. So she's back in the church, and she's written a book uh, called How Not to Save the World, uh, somewhat about her experience. But I want to read you, um, uh, I want to read you what she's written as a charge. So she says, I can't recall the exact moment that it happened, but it did become clear to me. Change was only going to come from the inside. The only way the church is going to be the community we are praying for is if people who really love Jesus stay in it and are his real representation inside of it. We will only see the change within the church and broken lives truly healed in the name of Jesus if we say, we're the people. We can, be, we can be the change that we've been praying for. We can be the leaders we've been begging God for. We can show people the beauty of the family of God. We can be creators instead of critics. We can be builders instead of blamers. Someone needs to rise up. Let's go. Let's go. Right? That's us. This is us. This is the challenge that we have as the church. When we look outside, you know, the big C church's reflection is a little bit tarnished. Doesn't always represent Jesus the way he wants to be represented, right? 
So we can do that from inside by loving each other well, loving God, loving each other well, and loving those outside the church. Would you stand? We're going to sing together. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. We're going to close this way. You're going to sing your own harmony. The, the, the worship team is going to help us with that. We're going to sing in harmony. We're going to sing in unity. And um, then we'll have some time for ministry as well. some time for prayer and ministry maybe something there's some of you who have never actually heard that Jesus loves you that God loves you that he's madly in love with you there might be some who want to actually take that step and ask Jesus into their heart today there's people here who will pray for you maybe that's just part of your identity you've been in the church a while but you you haven't felt like you belonged. You haven't been, felt like you had a place, like your gifts. You don't know where, to, where that goes. You want to claim that identity? We can pray with you there. Maybe actually, like Hosanna, you've experienced some things in church that haven't made you want to dive in. You know, just confess that to God. Let us pray for you. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. And for anything else that you might have, there might be some words up on the church, uh, up on the on the screen, words for prayer. Um, I'm just going to close us in prayer. But if you would like prayer, please come forward. We have a ministry team who had counted a privilege to pray for you. And sing your song, sing your song, but sing it in harmony. Bless others with it, because that blesses God. Father, I thank you for uh, this place called the Vineyard Boise. I thank you, as Pastor Trevor says, this corner of your pasture that you placed us in. I thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you love us. I thank you for your grace that empowers us to reflect that to a lost and dying world. Lord, we want to partner with you in bringing the power of God and the kingdom of God. 
So bless each as they go. Remind them and reassure them that you love them and that you have them. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of you who need to go pick up your kids, I know Children's Ministry always appreciates that. But come forward with those of you who like prayer. And of course, you can pray around your tables if you would like that as well. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.